and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In today's uh, reading, we have a passage from chapter 22 of the prophet Isaiah. It's one of the first times uh, that he actually uh, criticizes an individual. Usually he's uh, criticizing nations and peoples and customs. But here he goes directly against uh, a court official. And, and then he uh, talks about... Uh, investing him, the, the successor with, investing him with your robe, he says, gird him with your sash, entrust him with your authority, and he shall be a father. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I place the key of the house of David on his shoulder, should he open, no one shall close. Should he close, no one shall open. I place the key of the house of David on his shoulder. I give him a key. This passage from Isaiah is, of course, very reminiscent of the keys that Jesus gave to Peter, keys of the kingdom. He was the king's uh, representative here and had the authority to open the king's chambers. He had the authority to go into this secret place. You could say he was able to open and close the court every day. But also there's a reference here to the father, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Anchored contact with true and durable joy. True and durable joy. And uh, we need to talk about joy and how you could say we live in joy here. How do I live in joy as a result of that love that God has for me, his plan for me? Pope Francis does not like long faces. He loves to see joy. Even if he himself has many weighty responsibilities, he's carrying, you could say that, he's carrying that large key on his shoulders. I place the key of the house of David on his shoulder. But he has insisted a lot on the good humor of the saints that they could not convince anyone with a funeral face. He's mentioned this often, that we have to have joy, the joy of the gospel. I read this passage from Nietzsche, famous 19th century philosopher, idealist. He said, they need to sing a better song to me if they want me to believe in their savior. 
his disciples need to look like people who are indeed saved. Perhaps he was referring here to the kind of Christians that he saw around him in Germany at the time, but somehow they were not terribly convincing. How can we, how can we smile when we have worries, when we have uh, maybe a lot of work or setbacks? How can we smile if we have physical pain? How can we smile and be happy when there are frequent sufferings in life? But nevertheless, the Lord is asking us for joy. Because we are children of God, because of the extent that he loves us. We have the example of Guadalupe Ortiz de Landazuri. In all her actions, she reflected her desire to love God with her work, with her friendships. She showed a deep joy, always transmitted this sense of peace, serenity. People noticed her joy. People noticed her good humor. You could say they felt boosted by her. She lived out her fidelity. Rather, she, she, she lived out her vocation in fidelity to the spirit of Opus Dei. And this inevitably led people, led people to praying to her even after her death. We see this in others too. We see this in the smiles of Monse, we see this in Isidoro, we see this in Alvaro, of course, in many saints, many saints would be cheerful, often. St. Francis de Sales was like that too. St. Alfonso de Ligori developed that too, at a time when it was not a common thing to consider saints to be cheerful and good-humored. I heard a story of Dora de Loyo, who at one point was asked to go to London to start the center there or to contribute to a center there in London, England. And in those days, I don't know exactly what days they were, the 40s or so, post-war anyway, England, England was uh, trying to avoid uh, allowing immigrants coming in, or at least it was quite difficult and uh, so they were not letting many people in, and especially they didn't want domestic workers in. People who worked for, you know, in larger households and so, so forth. And uh, one way that they had, that the, that the immigration officials had to check, was that they would look at people's hands coming at the border in Dover or wherever they arrived uh, on the ships. They would look at, and if, they, if they looked at their hands and they saw that they were clearly the hands of the worker, they would often not let them in. And of course, when Dora came, they looked at her hands and they stopped her and they took her aside and questioned her because they saw that she had clearly hands of a, of a worker and she was with somebody. They, they were quite delayed, the procedures were delayed, but eventually, as I understand, she got through. And the person with her said, that must have been humiliating to be stopped because of your hands. Like, who are these people? She said, I'm not humiliated or ashamed of my own hands. Because it's with these hands that I work. 
It's with these hands that I'm happy and very happy to serve the Lord. She was cheery with her calluses, calluses on her hands. I don't think I have calluses too many here. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes I get them playing tennis, but, uh, but she knew she had to boost others with her cheery laugh, her smile. We can ask ourselves in God's presence, have you encouraged others with your good humor, with your laugh, with a good joke, or just simple good humor in the last week? Or have you been overwhelmed with maybe too much seriousness? Or have you, have you shown your calluses? And sometimes we have to be fake, maybe we have to fake it sometimes, but even if, if it was, we will, we will rebuild our joy. Certainly, as we said, Pope Francis has often underlined the importance of good humor. He talked about it in Gaudete et Exultate. He's done this many times. There's one phrase in that encyclical letter, Gaudete et Exultate, that, that St. Rosemary could easily have said. I mean, you read it and said, you don't know, okay, who said this? Well, it could easily have been St. Rosemary. He says, so it's Pope Francis, but it could easily have been St. Rosemary. He says, Far from being timid, morose, acerbic, or melancholy, or putting on a dreary face, the saints are joyful and full of good humor. Full of good humor. It could easily have been said by our father. And here is a description by Father Joe Soria about having lived with our father. When asked by a journalist if it, it was hard to live with a saint. And Father Joe explained, the fact is that cheerfulness is not only compatible with charity, but can be one of the best ways of practicing it. Among the charismas that God granted St. Josemaria was one that might go unnoticed by people who never met him. He could lead people to go up the gentle, steady slope of cheerfulness and good humor. In the way, he wrote, the virtue, true virtue is not sad or gloomy, but pleasantly cheerful. That's the way he always tried to live. That meant it was great living with him even though there were times when his tiredness or his sickness made itself felt in family life. Such times could be hard, but we all knew that they were like single reefs in a great ocean of affection, peace, and joy. Single reefs in a great ocean of affection, peace, and joy. Maybe I need to expand the extent of my waters, of my ocean, or maybe I'm just a little occasional puddle of joy or good humor. Maybe I need to practice true charity, not by not doing anything bad or living correct behavior or living the proper plan of life or working well, which are all good things to do. But it could be that the Lord is asking me for a charity that is expressed and explicitly being more cheerful, almost silly, if you want. You want to be silly? It's okay. 
happy, good to be around, fun to be around, because that is deeply connected with love, love of God. Are you fun to be around? Do you light up a room? Or do you suck all the energy out of it? Some people suck the energy out of a room. Or are you like one of those rooms, one of those few rooms in the house that has an air conditioner? Everybody goes there. Everybody goes. The large room, no air conditioner, nobody goes there. But then you go in the small room, newly installed air conditioners. Yes. Do people look forward to doing the annual course with you? A few days ago, I read a, a passage that I was uh, from our father that I was looking at. Uh, you could say I was looking at a, a, a still shot from the 1952 movie Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. And Gene Kelly acted in it, choreographed it, and directed it. And he was a very great stickler for detail. And the famous scene that you've probably seen of him hanging from a lamppost with an umbrella and just being drenched in rain, and he's going like that, and he's got this closed umbrella. That was filmed several times. It, they had to do several takes to get it to get it right. And at that time, he had been ill. I don't know if he had a cold or something, but he had 102 temperature. But he still went, got soaked, did it again, did it again. Think of him there, Gene Kelly, wrapped around a lamppost, singing the song, singing In the Rain, with his mouth wide open, his hands holding that umbrella, drenched, wearing a hat, but without a care in the world because he was in love. He's happy that he's getting soaked. His suit is ruined. But he's happy because he was in love and he saw the hope of this love returned. And at the bottom of the photo that I saw of Gene Kelly around the lamppost, there was a quote from Furrow. It said, be daring in your prayer and the Lord will turn you from a pessimist into an optimist. From being timid to being daring. From being feeble-spirited to being a man, a woman, of faith, an apostle. Certainly, Gene Kelly was not feeble-spirited there. Are you like a Gene Kelly or are you just like in the, in the desert, dry in the desert. Of course, in, in, in life sometimes it rains pretty heavily. That is true. But like Gene Kelly, even if it rains, we can have love in our life. St. Josemaria really, really wanted to see us in love with God. And uh, consequently facing the challenges around us with daring, with boldness, with the boldness of Gene Kelly. Staying upbeat no matter what. Because God has inserted us 
rather, God has inserted himself in our lives. That was the dream of St. Josemaria. Remember how he liked to call Christian homes bright and cheerful homes? That, that was the main thing he wanted to see. He didn't say successful homes, well-off homes, bright and cheerful homes. A friend of mine sent me a, a photo on WhatsApp and it says, uh, my son snuggling with dad. And it's just a very touching photo of the little boy, probably, probably two years old or so, snuggling with his dad and the dad holding the boy. And uh, just the, the position, it just looked so uh, uh, endearing. Both are very cheerful and one gets the, the sense that this child is going to know what divine filiation is all about when he grows up. Or at least we pray that. Because he seems to be wrapped around, his, he's, got no, uh, he's in a, without a care in the world. Bright and cheerful homes. Certainly St. Josemaria grew up in bright and cheerful homes, but it didn't mean that there were no problems, no difficulties, no hardships. They had financial difficulties. They, they, some of the children actually died. So this is what we must be mindful of in order to be happy. I won't be happy because of the nice weather only or kind people around me. Those will be there just to underline the fact that I am loved by God, that I love him in return, that I love my brothers, my sisters in the work. That I'm always like that, that two-year-old child in the arms of his father. Or he's kind of snuggled in the, on the, in the lap of his father there. And that's the most important thing. We are always in the arms of our father, God our father. St. Josemaria had always a very open personality. He was always joyful. But at the same time, he was daring. He was bold. He was full of dreams of bringing the love of Christ to others. That is, of bringing that conviction that God is our Father and that we are in the, His lap. He did not settle for mediocrity. Everybody who, <coughs> who came in contact with Him felt impelled to do something truly important in their life, to transform the prose of everyday life, of everyday work, into the heroic verse of sanctity. This is what he transmitted to so many people. And that led to joyfulness. But what if we started the other way around? What if we started by being joyful, by being cheerful? You could say almost as a, an obligation of charity, of kindness, of goodness, like an actor would do in the service of others, an actor who does this because others deserve it. And my act of service is not just to clean or to work in the kitchen or which are good acts of service, but if, imagine if I saw that my act of service was just to be happy. Now can this be sustained? Can that be sustained for long? I think it, if I start it as an obligation, it, it transforms 
into something very real, and it definitely is sustained. I think Guadalupe l lived in a very devout home, and yet there were very dark moments in her life, like we know during the Civil War. She was only 20, 20 years old when her father was accused of sedition and eventually executed by the militia. But there she had a few moments with him before he died in prison. She would have kept serene. She would have forgiven all those who would afterwards execute him. For her, that moment changed her, her entire life. I would say that since she only had those few moments with him, there something lit up within her. Yes, it was a tragedy. Yes, it was something terrible. She knew that in a few hours her father was going to be executed. But she said, well, what I'm, gonna, I'm not going to start lamenting now. I have to be happy with my father. That's what I have now. So she would, she would have held on to him. And I saw one of those children's books uh, about the life of Guadalupe, and there's a picture, a drawing of her with her father. And she's got a very, very, very worried look as he holds onto her. He's kind of like comforting her. I don't know who would have comforted who there, but, uh, but something lit up within her and made her realize that she need never be imprisoned in hate. She need never be imprisoned in sadness, in anger. And that came to fruition in 1944 when she met Santa Zaria, where she could channel that event of her life when she was 20 into a life of service. And then it came again to a fruition when she began to laugh at herself, to be happy, and to make others cheerful and happy. I mean, one of the characteristics of the life in Opus Dei is that it has to be cheerful. Not detaining ourselves ever in the negative side of life or negative side of things. A smile, a laugh has to be cheerful, it has to be a characteristic of our life. Let's ask that this really light up within us, that it really be true, and that we be able to sustain others as Guadalupe sustained others around her, as our Lord is asking us to do as well. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.